All right, well, let's, let's, let's get started with what we're talking about here today. Um, the last week of this series, God, let's, God I'm going to pray. That, Lord, I pray that you would, would bless this. Meet us in, our, in, the, in the struggle. <laughs> meet us in the questions. Meet us in the, in the, in the joy and in the, in the confusion of our faith, the disillusionment in our faith, and the, the times where we see it very clearly and the times where we don't meet us and, and meet us today in that. Uh, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right. All right. Growing up, many of you guys know that I grew up Catholic, and, uh, and, and, and so I, you know, we went to Mass every single Sunday. And in the Catholic Church, Mass is the same. Every week it's the same, except for the 15-minute or 10-minute homily that the priest does. The rest of it is the same stuff each week. And so as kids growing up in the Catholic Church, you knew, okay, we're at this point, and that means we're probably about a third of the way through. You know? And then we're at this point, we're about uh, two-thirds of the way through. When you get to communion, you're like, we made it. And, you know, all we have is communion and then we're gone and we can go watch football. You know, so you just, you kind of gauge the service and you, the mass and you're going, okay, good. We're almost there. Now we've got it. Well, at one point in the, in the mass, at one point, the priest will say, will say and, and the peace of God be with you. And then the, the Catholics in the room, let's see how many Catholics we got that knows what the response is. The peace of God be with you. Is that something that you do beyond the Catholic Church? Because that sounds like that was uh, something that, I don't think we're all Catholics, are we? Gosh, I've drawn all the Catholics over here. It's terrible. Um, no, no. And also with you, that's what you say in response. And, and, then, and then he says, now offer each other a sign of peace. And so that's when me and my three brothers would sit there in the pews and we would turn to my mom and dad and you had to give your mom a kiss and your dad a kiss. You give them, give them a kiss on the cheek. It's an offering a sign of peace. Okay, so we'd do that. Each of the brothers would do that with my mom and dad. And then we had to offer each other a sign of peace. And come on, four brothers. It's like, it's like what are you going to do? You're not going to kiss John on the cheek, you know? So I'd look over at him and I'd just go, peace, you know? You just, you kind of, every week there was some different way to offer each other a sign of peace. And then you had to then go back to offering it to the people in front of you and the people behind you. And so then you'd go and you have to go, peace be with you, peace be with you, peace be with you, peace be with you, peace be with you. And you learn how to say it really fast because you just, you have to do it to like eight people in front of you and behind you. So, and so you get through that and you're going, all right, two thirds of the way through church, almost done. It was that awkward moment that we got through. When you really think about what we were doing, which we never did, you are looking at that person in front of you and you're saying, man, I'm, that's, that's our prayer is that the peace of God be with you. With whatever's happening in your home, what's ever happening in your work, peace be with you. The peace of God be with you. Man, I can tell you I never once thought of it that way. <laughs> never once. When that person said, peace be with you, it didn't, it, I wasn't thinking about that when I was trying to decide whether I want to date Lisa Stiles or Susie Crawford. It wasn't, it, it wasn't, it, it wasn't in my head when I was, when I was trying to, the fighting with my coach for more playing time on the basketball team. It wasn't that the peace of God wasn't, wasn't there. 
Now, now, I went on to college, University of Washington, and I started going to the inn, and, and that's a non-denominational college ministry that, that we would meet together. About 500 students would meet together in this gymnasium on the floor, and Denny Ryberg would, would preach to us. And, and, and that's the formative years of my faith, and I started putting pieces together in my faith during that time. And so, and so Denny would preach mostly from the Gospels, mostly from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about the life, the narrative of Jesus and Jesus walking on this earth. Then he would speak of lots of different things. One of the things that he, he said, I remember when he spoke on it, when he talked about how Jesus says to us, don't worry about tomorrow. Then he shared that with us. And, and I mean, for me, I'm taking in that truth and I'm saying, okay, don't worry about tomorrow. But this is where, where bringing in that truth and the reality of my li life and situation, those things didn't mesh. See, <laughs> All college students, I think we're all, we were all like this. For, for me in college, it was like this. In some ways, I could care less about what's going on, you know, and you're just going, I don't have any worries. In other ways, I'm worrying like crazy. And you're worrying about who your next roommate's going to be and how much you're going to pay in your apartment rent and, and what major should I have? And am I, am I dating the right person? Am I doing the right things? And, you know, what grade am I going to get in my econ class? I mean, you're, you're worried about everything and nothing at the same time. But the problem is you get this, you get this, this truth coming of don't worry about tomorrow that Jesus is bringing to you. And you're just going, okay, that doesn't work. I got all kinds of worries. Well, little did I know that in those formative years in my faith, that this would be part of my journey for the next 30 years. And that I would be in a space where I'm, I'm, I'd question and, and, I would, and, and worry would win. You know, the nights that I would wake up in the middle of the night and worry would win. I'd worry about my kids or worry about this church and Worry about our, what's happening next at Ascent. Worry about you guys. Worry about staff. And so, so worry became part of this journey for me. As, I, as I, sat, I sat and thought about this when it comes to faith, I thought, man, if we're going to talk about kind of a real faith and a, and, a, and a faith unfiltered, we also need to talk about then those things that can, can really erode your faith. And for me, worry and, and, and fear, and it, 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 it can erode my faith because it can leave me with a lack of trust. And then that can lead to a lack of hope. And so we got to address that part here. So I started thinking more about this. Now, I'm going to get a little technical today, and um, I'm going to use some... some um I'm going to use a little technical stuff here, um, so bear with me as I do this. Um, Uh-oh. Pencil's not working. Stu, the pencil's not working. <laughs> Stu, this is key. I need the pencil to work. Here we go. Here we go. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Woo! Man, that would have totally changed. I would have just on the fly changed everything that I prepared, okay? So here you go. So this is the cycle that we're looking, looking at. So, so let's just start. Let's just start by, by saying, okay, so, so we start with, with I, I'm starting to pursue Jesus or I'm, I'm, I have this, this kind of faith in Jesus. That's kind of, let's just start from there. Some of you, you aren't there. And that's, and that's okay, and, but, but we, let's, let's say we start from there, and we start, to hear, we start to hear truths coming, okay? We start to hear things like, don't worry about tomorrow. 
Okay, this is, that's Jesus talking. Don't worry about tomorrow. And then, and then, and then you, hear, you hear another passage saying, be anxious for nothing, okay? So um, now this is truth, you guys. That, that, be anxious for nothing. Paul's writing about that to the people in Philippi. Be anxious for nothing, okay? So you hear, don't worry about tomorrow. Be anxious for nothing. Um, and, and you go, okay, those are, those are things that I need to apply to my life. But here's what happens, you guys. We have what, what we would call uncontrollable circumstances. That's, that's what comes into our life. This is what I would call any, any you know, you're, you're a young parent and you got a kid that won't stop crying and all the other kids stop crying, but my kid won't stop crying. Stop crying. And then that, that baby starts to grow up and they're, and they're sick and you just go, okay, now what am I going to do about this? It's an, uncont- it's an uncontrollable circumstance. My baby is sick and so I'm going to stress about that. Or you go, or you, you get, they get into the elementary school and you start worrying about what their friends are going to be, what friends are they going to make and what's their teacher going to be like. It's, it can be uncontrollable as they step into that middle school and high school and you're going, what's going on in their brain and how are they, what are they thinking at this point? And this isn't the same kid that I saw when they were in second grade. They're in middle school now and it's a whole different world. And you start to stress about things like that. And you, then you're in college and then you're raising young adult children and, you, and that's me right now. And you're stressing about something else, uncontrollable stuff. You got uncontrollable circumstances that are happening at work. You got uncontrollable circumstances when it happens with your finances and maybe you lost a job or your job, you, you lost some pay or economic downturn killed your, your retirement. Uncontrollable circumstances. Uncontrollable circumstances with friendships, uncontrollable circumstances in, in marriage. You, we all have them. And these uncontrollable circumstances that hit us we then filter these truths. Don't worry about tomorrow, but these things hit us. And when these things hit us, we start to realize these become just words. And if those things become just words, then what happens here is this is where we become anxious. Okay, so, so you got these words, the circumstances absolutely trump these words. And in the end, we get anxious. And in the end, this is what we conclude. Now, remember, this is a cycle Okay, it keeps on going. And so then we're anxious and then we filter it, but God is supposed to be there. And then you get these words, you go, these words aren't helping me one bit. And the circumstances tend to dominate again. And then we become more anxious. And now we're starting to become anxious because we're supposed to have a faith. But our faith is failing us and God is failing us. And so now as we keep going around, it's only getting worse. The stress becomes harder. The anxious becomes more. And, and, and God becomes less. In this place, we start to conclude that our worries are greater than, remember that, remember that, greater than God. We conclude that we are alone. We are filtering, filtering God through our circumstances. And we're saying, in the end, we're going, well, He's not helping me anyway. Not with these things. This stuff is, this stuff is too real. And, and how real is, is, is God? And that's where a lot of us will sit in our faith. We'll sit in that space and we're going, what faith? You know, we, 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 are, we are looking for faith. We're looking for it, but we can't find it. 
Because in the end, this is trumping this, and this is trumping this. That's the way a lot of us will live our lives. And, and stress and anxiety and, and a lack of hope and a lack of peace. Those things, I mean, come on, you guys know it. Whether you've gone, where you're going through it now, you've gone through it your whole life, or you're going through a season of it, you know what that's like. That anxiousness in your chest that's winning when you wake up in the morning and when you go to bed at night. Now, now this has been a lot of my life. And I, I know this cycle way too well. But here's what I want to do today. I want to, I want to um, maybe reclaim this cycle in a different way. I want to keep, the, keep some of the stuff on there. But let's see if we can couch this in something that actually might be helpful for us, okay? So here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to do this again. I want to do this cycle again. But I want, to, I want to couch it on some foundational pieces. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to dig you through some scripture here, okay? So, so I'm going to couch it in some, some, some foundational pieces. The first one is this. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5. He talks about, about the fruit of the Spirit. He talks about when God has set up shop within us, here's the characteristics that come out. This is the fruit of what God has set up. And he says, it's love and it's joy and it's peace. You can throw that up there. And it's kindness and patience and goodness and gentleness faithfulness and self-control. He's going, that's the fruit of what God has placed. When, when he set up shop, this is what would come out. What's really important with this and why this is a foundational piece to what we're talking about is that we cannot read that saying, well, God gave you self-control, but he gave me gentleness. He has given us all of the fruit of the Spirit. We just have trouble accessing it. And so notice in those nine fruit of the Spirit, one of them is peace. We have got to recognize peace is right in front of us. Peace is, is within us through the Holy Spirit. Peace is not something you go, well, some people have it and other people don't. It's right there. We just have to learn how to access it. But it's there for us. That's the first thing you have to recognize. This is not something that you are exempt from. Peace is right there through his Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's one. Second one, peace is there, but, but we go, but God, come on. If it's there, then why am I stressed? If it's there, why am I worrying? If it's there, why do these uncontrollable circumstances win? Come on, God, I'm sitting here waiting for you. But this is where God's going, I want us to work together. Look what this second passage says. In Philippians chapter two, it says this. It says, the, it says um, therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, now let me talk about this one for a second. He's, it, this is a controversial passage because Paul writes this and says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And so people will look at it and say, this is what they would call works theology, that you, that you have to earn your salvation. You have to earn eternal life. You have to work at it to earn it. And if you've worked properly enough, you're going to attain it. And so they'll look at a passage like that and say, see, it's worse theology, but that's not the gospel. That's not the good news. The good news is that there's no way you can earn it. God's given it to us anyway through his love and his grace. There's no way we can earn it. But this is where the translation is lost from Greek to English. See, from Greek to English, the verb is first. 
work out your salvation. But in, 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 in Greek, it's flipped. In the, in the Greek for this, it's, it's, it's a word, kata ergo, okay? And, and I'll... Oh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> let, me, let me erase that and say it over again. In fact, let me erase the whole thing. I don't even like using red, okay? I'm, I'm going to, we'll use, we'll, use, we'll use yellow on that so you can see it a little bit better. But it's cot ergo. <laughs> Ran out of room. Okay. All right. Actually, not right there. Sorry. <laughs> Let's break it. It's here. It's here. I told you you have patience with me on this, okay? Now look, look. In Greek, the, the, the verb is after. Kat ergo. Kat ergo. Kat, kat is, is, is purity. Kat is, is God's grace. Kat is all that God has done. Kat, kat represents the, the, this is what God's done through his grace and mercy on the cross for us. All the work that he's done. All the love that he's poured out onto us. That's, that's because of that truth. Because of the salvation that we have from that. Because of that purity that God has declared us right with God. Because of that, kat ergo. We work it out. You see how when that verb is second, it makes, it makes a big difference. Because of that truth, we work it out. Earl Palmer is, is, was the senior pastor in Seattle when I was in the formative years of my faith. And he said, ergo, he said, it work it out. But he says, literally, it means make an event of it. Make an event of your faith. Make an event of your life. God's ergo, make an event of the love that God has for you. He's going, too many of us will just sit and read it. Too many of us will hear it on a Sunday. Too many of us will say, okay, I got it. But what does it look like to work it out? What does it look like to make an event of it? Friday night was make an event of your, my faith. Coming here and, and getting to take those steps closer to Jesus because of the songs that were being sung over me. The, the, the Chief Ace Project is making an event of it. God says, love, love your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Make an event of that, of that truth. And then live that out with how you live and how generous you are. And, and what your life looks like and the gentleness that you would show and the patience that you would show. Make an event of the truth of what God, God has planted in your, in your heart. You guys, he's saying, I got work, but so do you. Step into it. Instead of just going, come on, God, wait, where's the peace that I need? Step into it. What am I asking of you in the midst of this? Now, there's one, more, there's one more foundational piece that I want to give to you guys. And this is an interesting one. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That is our ergo. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the patterns of this world. That's what we were talking about, the patterns of this world. And don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the third piece of this foundational piece is do you believe that God actually has the ability to transform your mind? 
Do you believe that, that in the stress that we have, that God can actually do some powerful work? See, see, let me give you a tiny bit of, 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 of brain science, okay? The, the, the amygdala is the part of your brain that, that is your fight or flight. That's in the back back here, and that's the part that's fight or flight, okay? And this is the part that you get, you, 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 this is where stre our stress can come from because we're just going, we see what's happening. We're going, oh crap, I got to go do something about this. And so we, we move sometimes in stress, sometimes in worry, but we'll move that way or we won't move at all. It's fight or flight that we'll just go, okay, I got to, that's, that's what's controlling that part. The amygdala is being, is being educated through neuro, the, the neural pathways of our brain that is all the things that have happened in our life. And so when you have the neural pathways are, 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 are informing the amygdala, that's why you would respond the way you are. I, I have this ridiculous fear of bees, a stupid fear of bees. If you sat with me at a cafe and a bee comes, I will jump up in an instant and, and, and run away from the table. It's stupid of me to do that. But it's my amygdala that's saying, that's saying bees. The neural pathways are saying, when I was 10, I got stung by a bee and my face swelled up really bad and I went to the hospital. And, 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 and then when I was 18, the same thing happened. And so I could die from this. And so my amygdala is saying, get away from this. And so you run away. The frontal cortex in my brain is saying, but you did a bee sting workup when you were in college and got stung every week for an entire year gradually with, with venom in my, it, they would inject. And so now my, my body can handle it. But the amygdala is winning. And those, and those, those neural pathways are winning. Now, here's the question. Do you believe that God has the power to transform our brains? to help us to see that there's a new pathway. That it's, no, it doesn't have to go down that same pathway. There's new pathways. And can he transform to help us to, to think more and more like Jesus? You know, there's a new science called neurotheology that, that, that looks at your brain and faith. And doctors and scientists are looking at that and they're saying, wow, we're actually seeing positive results that come from it. And I love their conclusion. Their conclusion, one could try to conclude one way or the other that maybe it's the biology or maybe God's really in the room, but the scan itself doesn't really show that. That is a scientist's way of saying, I can't say that it is God, but dang it, it sure looks like there's something going on there. Do we believe that God has the ability to transform and help us see new pathways? That's what God's doing. Peace is right at our door. We have some work to do in the midst of that to, to access it. And God can do some really powerful work. Now let's go back to this same cycle again, you guys. Let's go back to it. So we got to erase this again. Come on. My eraser's too small. <laughs> Look at all this stuff I'm learning. This is great. Okay. Okay, so again, we've got, we've got the cycle again. And, and in it, we've got, we've got Jesus again. Okay, and then we've got the same thing we've been talking about. It's be anxious for nothing. We've got don't worry. We've got cast your anxieties on him because he, he, he cares for you. Those are the, those, these are truths. 
that are, that are you found throughout the Bible. And so you've got this Jesus, you've got these truths. And remember, see, I've, I told you I'm going to do the same thing. Our uncontrollable circumstances. Okay? So the uncontrollable circumstances are there. Just like we said before, this is the same cycle again. But now let's keep it in, this, in, in what we just learned. All right? Now, now, here's the key right here. The key is this. Our work. And God's work. Okay? I'm simplifying Kate Ergo, and so we're just calling it God's work and our work on this. But we have to recognize what is our work and what's God's work with the reality that uncontrollable circumstances are coming our way. You can't fight, you can't fight against that. It's go, it, it is coming our way. But now let's read through those same passages again and let's see what it says for us. Rejoice in the Lord always. This is the be anxious for nothing. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. And here comes our passage. Don't be anxious about anything. You're going, oh, great. Okay, so you tell me that. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You guys, that is our work. We might not fully get prayer. You might have all kinds of questions around prayer. I have all kinds of questions around prayer, but I like the mystery of it. Jesus presses us into it to say, invite, oh, Halsby wrote a book that just says, prayer is just inviting God into our helplessness. Invite him into our helplessness. He's saying, that's our work. And, and then what happens, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's God's work. He will guard our hearts and mind. Okay? That's God's work. Think about how powerful that is. That God will actually guard my heart and my mind. That in the heart of the things that are uncontrollable, as we're bringing them to the Lord, as we do in our work, the hard, heavy work is God guarding our heart and mind. This summer, I did a, I did a wedding for my niece, and, and, uh, and Tyler and Allie got married. And, I, and in the wedding, I said, Tyler, man, you've been standing guard over your guys' relationship for seven years, and I love that. And so Jackie and I went out, and we got this this figurine, this guard, uh, this, this old Roman guard. We got this figurine and, and, and I, thought, I thought, I'm going to give this to Tyler for the wedding. But then as the wedding got near, I'm going, what is he going to do with this tchotchke? Is he going to put it on his shelf? And then what is he going to do? He's like, oh, geez, Bill gave it to me. I got to keep it. And so I thought, I'm not going to give it to him. And so he came back home and I thought, let's just return it. Well, it was too late to return. So now we're just stuck with this thing. And we're going, what am I going to do with it? As I was preparing for this sermon, I started thinking about God guarding our heart in our mind. And I thought, you know what I'm going to do with this? It's not very romantic, but I'm going to put this on my nightstand, <laughs> you know? You know, so it's not like it's like Jackie's saying, wow, that's the guard, your heart and mine, huh? I'm not, I, I put it, I know, I'm sorry, it's weird. Uh, I put, <laughs> you know, because you're supposed to have your, never mind. <laughs> I put it on my nightstand because when I wake up at three in the morning, and these uncontrollable circumstances race through my brain, I want to, to get, say, well, offer it up to the Lord, Bill, just offer it up to the Lord, and to look over there and go, and he stands guard over my heart, and he stands guard over my mind. He's standing guard. That's heavy work that the Lord's doing. 
Now look what it says for the rest of that passage. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true and whatever is noble, whatever is right and pure and lovely and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. It's it's saying focus on the good. It's so easy when this is winning for us to focus on everything else. You guys that are, that you guys know, the ones that have gone through it in this last year after, the, after December 30th, you know how easy it is to focus on what is not good. You guys that are in a job situation that you can't control, you know how easy it is to focus on what is not good. And God's going, man, focus on the good. There's going to be some good focus on that. You see what's happening? Focus on that. Small progress? Focus on that. You see what I'm doing there? Focus on that. The next one, Matthew 6, 24, that's our work. The next one, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. This is Jesus saying this. Not Okay, that's the Lord, you guys, <laughs> saying focus. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life, God's work? to pour out care. That's God's work. He's going, man, do you see how much I love these these things and how much more I love you? Later on, he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And he's saying to us, seek him. That passage, cast your anxiety, Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Our job, humble. This is yours. My life is yours. Anytime I ever think of humble, you just think, come on, if your fists are closed, (laughs) it's mine. When my fists are open, it's yours. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you you up. This is super important, you guys, because, because these, these truths are going to happen. These truths happen. This uncontrollable circumstances, you can't control it. We can live in that drama. I used to tell the, my kids when they were in middle school and high school, try to get your head above the drama. If you can get your head above the drama, you might be able to see the drama a little bit more. We have uncontrollable circumstances of our life. Health issues and job issues and friend issues and all of it. We have uncontrollable issues in our life. But God knows that if we just live in that, we're going to swirl into anxiousness. But what's our job? Our job is to focus on the good. Our job is to lift it up to the Lord. Our job is to seek him. Our job is to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. That's our job. And the heavy lifting, the powerful heavy lifting, he's going to guard our hearts and mind. The heavy lifting is he's going to pour out care on us. The heavy lifting is he is going to lift us up in due time. And in the end, in the end, instead of anxiety, we get transformation.
God continuing to work on our minds, we get transformation and we can start to conclude that God is bigger than our worries. We can start to conclude that we are not alone. Now listen, we go around this, remember it's a cycle. We go around this. And the first time we go around it, you might still go, I don't feel any different and my circumstances are winning. But we keep going. We go around it again. I was showing this to Jackie and Jackie's going, you know, it looks like, it looks like the rings on a, on a tree when you cut it. And the older the tree is, the more the rings are. And the more times around you go, the more we start to realize something. You start to go, oh wait, these truths are true. And these circumstances are happening, but I'm focusing on the things that I need to focus on. And God's doing some powerful transformative work. And, and, and thank God I've got Jesus. And man, remind me of these promises. And the circumstances, darn it, they're still there. But man, I'm gonna keep going right here. And you keep going around. And here's what happens, you guys. Here's what happens. You get to a point where we begin to trust. And you get to the point where we begin to start to experience peace. And you get to the point where you begin to hope. Now, now we'll, we'll, we'll have seasons where we miss this. And I don't want this to be a formula. There's a last thing I want is for there to be a, if you do the formula, then it works. I just want us to recognize that this is truth. That's truth. And I want us to recognize that these circumstances we can't take away, but I want us to recognize what we can do. When December 30th happened and that fire ran through everything, I got, we got back together January 7th at the Omni. And I stood there, I sat there in the very front row at the Omni and me and all of my family. And I kept looking down in each one of them and the loss that each one of them felt. And the tears were, the, the tears were flowing right then. And in the midst of that, in the midst of that, that loss and the uncontrollable circumstances, Whitney and the team came up and they sang the goodness of God, what we sang, the third song that we sang this morning. And in the front row, I am bawling to that song. And the reason why it was uncontrollable tears is because I knew there was truth. And in the acute pain of what we were going through, it was uncontrollable circumstances. But I knew what God was asking me to do, just give it to him. It was hard to focus on the good in that point. I'll give you that for sure seek him. And it was hard to humbly say, this is yours. That was hard. But what I knew is that he was guarding my heart and mind. What I knew is that he was pouring out his care on me. And, and what I knew is that he would lift me and Jack and Emily and Ella and Justice and, and Abby and Maggie and Jackie. He, he was going to lift us up in due time. And we could sing of the goodness of God. And, and that doesn't come just from, oh, it just discovered. That comes, 
I've gone around these laps way too often. And, and even since then, there's times where I'm going, ah, but in uncontrollable circumstances, FEMA, you know, becomes here and you just go, dang it, now I'm worried again. And I got to remember that he's standing guard. I remember what my job is. I remember Kat ergo, that God's got us. In the midst of the stress and worry of our life and our faith, know that God stands guard and that he is there with us. Father, I'm going to pray that in the midst of all that's going on and all the things that people are, are struggling with and the medical report that they're waiting for, that their neuro, the, the neuro pathways are saying these medical reports end bad. The, the, the people that have awful situations in their job right now. And the narrow pathways say, I'm going to end up losing this. I pray that you would transform, transform our minds into what your son sees. And I pray that we would find the hope that we're looking for and the peace that we're looking for and the joy that we're looking for because we step into that work. We make an event of this and you do some serious, serious heavy lifting to help meet us. We thank you, Jesus, that you are much greater than our worries. Help us to see that. It's in your name we pray. Amen.